the nonprofits and the volunteer organizations within our community are just unbelievable. They step to the plate every time they're asked. Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9. There was a town council meeting last night, so we're here today to have a council quarterbacking session with our town council chair, Tom Mercer. Tom, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Steve. Always a pleasure to see you. Uh, morning after the night before. Morning after the night, even if we meet a couple of times during the morning after. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that opportunity, I think, as we've talked in different places, but I'm not sure we've said it exactly like this. So this is what I'll, I'll pontificate for a little bit. Sure. Clearly, in my role and reporting, I'm aware that the town does really well in enabling opportunities for engagement. We'll coach it that way. You can sign up for alerts. You can get notifications on meetings, agendas, uh, public hearings, legal notifications. It's all available. The meetings, the major meetings, FinCom, Town Council, School Committee, Planning Board, Design Review, no, Conservation Commission, ZBA, are all available via uh, cable, TV, and YouTube. Many of those are also audio recorded. Many of the notes are also shared through the Franklin.news, Franklin Matters. And as we were talking, because we were met earlier this morning, once a month, there's an opportunity to have breakfast at the senior center. Now, you don't have to be a senior to go to the breakfast. And it's an open session with the town officials. Yeah, and this is something we started a few years ago and that continuously grow has been growing. And this morning was great. Uh, we had, you know, 15 to 20 people uh, at the table talking about different issues. Uh, residents, uh, we had, uh, I think, five counselors, a couple of school committee people, town administrator, assistant town administrator, people from Jeff Roy's office. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's the third Thursday of every month. And it's uh, generally runs eight thirty to nine thirty, but as you said this morning, I had to I had to leave uh, uh, around ten o'clock. But you said there was they were still going at ten forty. So. <laughs> <laughs> For those who wanted to stay, the opportunity was there. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a really good opportunity for kind of an informal uh, conversation with uh, your town councilors for those people that may or may not feel comfortable coming to a town council meeting, uh, speaking on Zoom, speaking in council chambers, uh, it's uh, much more informal. So, uh, you know, it's uh, as we talked just before we came on the air, uh, this is a great opportunity for us to bring that up, uh, that that avenue is open to our residents. And as you said, you don't have to be a senior to go to the senior center. Yep. It's a reasonable breakfast, uh, good food, easy pricing, 
if you want to go that way, there's healthy options within the food. Even if you don't want the food, just having that conversation, and we've talked as well, and I've talked with Jamie in terms of government moves slowly. But part of the reason the governments move slowly is it's so the government of the people, by the people, for the people. And those conversations matter, right? And I think that's a key point we'll get into a little bit more in terms of the presentations last night. But mm -hmm. you, you just can't, you and Jamie and others, don't go off in the back room and do things on your own. You're always taking the input from us in the community in the variety of formats and I'm I'm in certainly in the public meetings and some of the senior center meetings. I'm sure Jamie's calendar is full where he's meeting with others on a regular basis, as likely you are. And I know it's all those conversations that lend to whether it's this piece of legislation or this enhancement or this cost improvement, et cetera. It doesn't happen overnight. And those conversations matter. And this is an informal place. There were no real decisions there, but it was well, a lot of information shared. Sure, sure. You know, and, that, uh, you know, if people have questions we don't have the answers to, we will certainly get the answers for them and get back to them. So uh, it's just, as you said, another opportunity for engagement with the residents. And uh, we... Uh, just say to Rosen, please come on, yeah. talk to us. It's an Tell opportunity. Us what your issues are. We can't help unless we know what they are. That that is that is that may be the takeaway piece. Yeah, <laughs> we can, we can't work on something if we don't need to know we need to work on it. Exactly. Yeah. So for the new listeners, if you're just joining us, thank you. Hopefully, you'll be able to uh, learn some things along the way and come back. And then what we focus on here is, okay, what just happened at the meeting last night? And what does it really mean for us residents and taxpayers? And through Tom's coordination of his schedule, my schedule, et cetera, we get to condense the meeting. Now, last night relative is a short agenda, but still a two hours and a lot of good discussion, which we'll condense. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. we'll start off with, you had a relatively simple kind of a technical matter. The state had asked you to do something, the town. And then the state said, oh, no, we're not going to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is it was the uh, a resolution that they asked us to put into place uh, to put a uh, opioid uh, stabilization account uh, where as uh, monies were available, they went into this account or we had the opportunity to put them into this account. Again, it was something the state asked us to do. And here we are a year or so later, and they're saying, oh, I think we made a mistake. Uh, we want you to take it out. So last night was basically uh, just following uh, the state's request in taking that resolution out of our uh, bylaws. Yeah, so it was really no money changing hands. It was an accounting and technical matter. But I think long term, as I understand it, the town really will have almost a better option of truly putting those funds where they really need to be. Exactly, exactly. And I and obviously, that's why the state kind of took a, a step back and said, wait a minute, there's a better way to do this. 
So let's have them take it out. So I applaud the efforts of the state uh, legislature in seeing that there was a better option and then making the necessary change. Right. And then one of your happy moments you started the meeting with. So, yeah, we are going slightly out of the agenda order. But in terms of our conversation piece, I think it'll make more sense to you. But you had the opportunity to recognize the Fish of Franklin, a volunteer group that for 50 years has been providing a wonderful service to the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we were fortunate to have a few members of the uh, fish group uh, in attendance last night, Barbara Steele, who is the outgoing uh, president. uh, I think she was out in October or November and Terry Robbins, a uh, very familiar name to the community, having served on the school committee uh, for many years, uh, back many years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Terry is the incoming president, and they celebrated their 50th anniversary. And FISH is an organization that provides medical transportation to uh, doctor's appointments, uh, uh, hospital appointments, Uh, for the residents within the community who are don't have the ability to get there and uh, it's a nonprofit group and there's no charge to the residents and these volunteers uh, use their own cars use their own gas uh, and have been doing this these many volunteers over the years uh, over the last 50 years uh, continue to provide this service for the community. And it's just another group within the greatest community in the state uh, that offer their services to help those in need within our community. So it was uh, nice to have be able to have the opportunity to say thank you to all those People's with people within the fish organization, and to thank them uh, for their 50 years of service and their continued service to our residents. Yeah, it's a great group. I was fortunate to say was a few of them to record uh, in advance of their celebration. I believe they had a dinner formally. I want to say uh, mid October last year to recognize their 50th anniversary. So one of the issues that they were running across and over 50 years, the record certainly passed from president to president, but obviously over 50 years, some people have passed away. Some people have moved on. They really didn't have a complete list of who was still around that had been volunteering to (laughs) to notify them. So we did the audio to, oh, if you know of somebody who did and they're still around, let us know so we can include them in the celebration, et cetera, et cetera. And in the process, of course, we got to record the history sort of of, mm-hmm. of how they originated. And it was interesting that they would also put up people at one point in time. You know, yes. if, if if somebody was coming back late and they really didn't have a place to go, they, the people would take them in. Clearly the times back what 60s and 50s <laughs> yeah changed yeah. a little bit from now so how oh, i remember i remember the group uh you know uh in its uh early years and 
hearing people talk about, oh, uh, yeah, fish is picking me up, taking me to the doctors. And so really good stuff. And it was uh, an honor to be able to stand there and read the proclamation and thank them and all of their uh, volunteers for the great work they do for our community. Yep. And they're still looking for volunteers. They service as many calls as they can use their volunteers to service. Um, so I'll include the phone number and the audio in the show notes. So if you are interested, you can contact Fisher Franklin and set up to volunteer. Um, and yeah, that's it's all goodness. It's a great thing to do for sure. And then speaking of great things to do, then you got two presentations, uh, one from Tina Potterly, who's sitting on a different side of the table this time when she goes back to the council chambers. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's always nice to see Tina. And uh, Tina is a former, former town councilor that uh, now is the executive director of the Franklin Food Pantry. And she really provided us with... Uh, an update uh, as to the many wonderful things that the uh, Franklin Food Pantry is doing for our community. Uh, had an opportunity to uh, explain the move into their new location and the additional services that they're able to uh, offer uh, out of this new building. And I know you were a board member of the Franklin Food Pantry for uh, many years, so uh -huh. I know it's something near and dear to your heart, Steve, as well. Uh, but uh, it was great to have Tina there and walk us through the many, many opportunities for services that is just continuing to grow. Uh, she sh shared uh, a few different newer programs that they're doing. Uh, you know, the backpack program for some of the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but she also showed in one of her charts that uh, all of these programs, since the move into the new location, that provides them with the opportunity to serve more people, more, more uh, families in need. Uh, but all of these different programs, and I think there were half a dozen that they uh, that she showed on the chart, were all growing at a better than twenty percent rate. Mm -hmm. And uh, as much as that's in one way a sad thing, uh, but to provide the le the services to those people, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, you know, and it, and it gave Tina an opportunity to share the different ways that uh, the residents in Franklin, those that can, uh, can help the food pantry and make donations, whether it be monetary, whether it be food. And I know there are many organizations, uh, some nonprofit, some profit, that over the course of the year provide these different food drives. Uh, to help support the food pantry. And you probably know even better than I, and I know you do because uh, you're very close to that program. Uh, what a wonderful uh, organization we have and that the Franklin Food Pantry 
is probably second to very few uh, out there in the state. Yeah, I, I agree and concurring uh, to confirm. Yeah, I was fortunate to be part of the board and even more fortunate to lead the board for four years, approximately uh, early 2010 through 2014. Uh, late Early in 2015, I left the board because I had a job change and I was doing international and I wasn't sure what the work requirements were going to be. <laughs> so I had to give up something. But yeah, I've continued to contribute. I was one of the early contributors to the capital program for the building. Um, I still contribute time in addition to the TV radio stuff that I do in terms of recordings, et cetera, sharing their story, sharing their work. There's a couple of com committees that they have evolved over time. Clearly, there was a smaller board back in our day. Um, the board has grown. I think it's 11 now, but they've got a committee structure that is such that they have members of the board and members of the community participating in the committee to truly get, you know, the breadth and the wealth of the skills and experience and leverage the networks, et cetera. It's all good. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that I said it and when the ribbon cutting was back in June, the building was going to do two things. One, if people weren't aware the food pantry existed and certainly credit as well. And I, I don't think she mentioned this specifically, but thank you, Rockland Trust, for the use of the facility that we did have for many, many years. It was a great contribution. We thank them ultimately. Uh, it, it helped us do the business that we needed to do. But over time, we were recognizing we, we couldn't do it forever. And I know in particular, going down some of the back stairs, I had to duck, otherwise I was going to clock my head. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got this nice new facility at what was Edwin's, and then they painted it white. So if people were not aware we had a food pantry, ba-boom, guess what? They are now. <laughs> we, we are there. And then to the credit of the, the staff and the volunteers, the respect that they're delivering their services with, that's part of the increase. Yeah, People now feel comfortable. Oh, I need help. And that's a tough question to ask. Oh, it is for sure. You know, Tina, Tina expressed that in part of her presentation last night. You know, and when you think about it, it is very difficult to walk into... You know the food. Anything. Say, I'm sorry. I, I need help, uh, and uh, that's very humbling. And uh, I, I applaud the efforts of Tina and her staff and the people there to how they deal with these people and how they continue to provide uh, food and services. Uh, to our local residents. And I think one of the things that uh, uh, I learned last night was that 85%, roughly 85% of their services go to Franklin residents. Uh, and they have a few that they had been providing services to, to from surrounding towns. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they've had to kind of put a hold on that uh, because the needs within the Franklin community itself 
continue to grow. So um, again, just can't uh, can't say enough good things about the Franklin Food Pantry and their administrative team and the hundreds of volunteers that continue to volunteer, that have volunteered and continue to volunteer for the Franklin Food Pantry. Yeah, I think she referenced and I've seen from other stats, it's like 100 volunteers a week. <laughs> Help them process. mind boggling to me. You know? my, the, process the food, process the produce. Uh, during the summer, clearly the the community garden creates fresh produce that they use to deliver um, and then they'll purchase through Greater Boston Food Bank and other places, other uh, sources, whether it's BJ's, Stop and Shop, Big Y, et cetera. They'll, they'll get other sources of food that's continuing to develop. And her ask effectively was there still needs for the money. And the capital fund, interestingly, primarily was the building. Okay, let's buy the building, build it, et cetera. But then it had two other additional pieces. One, let's set up aside kind of that rainy day fund. If something happens, <laughs> let, yeah. let's have the money to fix the building, to do the repairs, keep the maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. Great. I mean, why not do that when you've got the opportunity? And exactly. third, to the to the extent to the recognition of the need. And yes, yeah, some of the people have been, you know, over years, whether from Milford to Bellingham, et cetera, been servicing with our geographic position, we can do more for our other neighbors. Uh, yeah. But in order to do that, we need to do that in a sustaining process. And that's where some of that other money will enable us over time, whether we if the uh, rate or refrigerated truck or additional services, we'll be able to expand to meet the truly needs of quote the community, not just Franklin. It is Franklin primarily, as you said, 85%. Um, but to the extent that it makes sense, why not? I mean, the, they're neighbors. Exactly, exactly. And as we were hearing in the second update, when Amy Frigoletti, our deputy town administrator, introduced kind of the homeless report, which caught some eyebrows <laughs> and then some clarifications and then introduced kind of the crisis intervention team. So if somebody certainly food is a basic, but housing is also a basic need. So. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest issues that we continuously uh, face is affordable housing for uh, within our community. And last night, uh, as you just said, uh, our deputy town administ administrator, Amy Frigoletti, uh, gave us a great presentation uh, on a homelessness report. And it kind of got some people a little confused uh, uh, and to a degree a couple of the slides might have been a little confusing but uh, she was able to uh, explain it out in that you know uh, in the census of I believe it was 2020 uh, there were 307 homeless people identified but that 307 aren't what people might immediately think of as homeless. Right. Uh, they might be transient people coming through, uh, living on a couch at a friend's house for a few days or a few weeks, and then moving on to another community. That 307 people weren't people that were 
living in tents in the woods or right. uh, in cars on the street or under bridges. That's not uh, what that number uh, was associated to. And more in line with that has been uh, in the last year, the crisis intervention team, which is made up of, uh, you know, the, some of the fire department, police department, senior center, uh, health department, uh, veterans uh, services, uh, services uh, that make up this crisis intervention team. And uh, they've done a lot of uh, a lot of work over the last year trying to identify the true what we might look at as homeless uh, people within the community. And the number was, uh, I believe, was 48. And of that 48, some of that, because the different services uh, identified them, in other words, uh, some might have uh, been identified through the police department, some might have been identified uh, through the senior center, but they might have overlapped. And might be some duplication the, within exactly. that. Exactly. And yeah. this is why they're continuing to do the work to really identify what that real number is, but it's certainly less than that, less than 48. And, uh, but I, we obviously applaud the efforts of the uh, crisis intervention team, which is something relatively new. It's only a few years. Hmm. And uh, they're doing a, what I think is a magnificent job in being able to deal with issues that our residents have uh, immediately. Mm -hmm. And there was talk about uh, what other things can we help them with and, you know, uh, there was a lot of talk about having vouchers at the hotels uh, in the community. Available, yeah. Yeah, where they, if an emergency need came up, they had a voucher that they could take them there for mm -hmm. if, just for a night. Sure. Uh, so those are... Those are all good things that they uh, that the CIT team continue to work on, and uh, I look forward to some uh, really great things coming out of uh, uh, that group uh, in helping us identify. You know, I know uh, one or two of the councilors mentioned that you know we're, we're aware of individuals that, or at least one individual that may have lived in a tent in the woods. Uh, and uh, as we tried to go up to help, whether it be the police, the fire, uh, they just didn't want any help. They wanted to be where they were, and just can't. I, you can't force them no. uh, to take the help. Uh, they chose to live there. Uh, the landowner or the property owner had no issues. So um, it was allowed, uh, but that doesn't mean because we have this CIT team, the crisis intervention team uh, in existence, they're able to provide people to go up, check on them, mm. sure things, just wellness checks. Yep. Uh, so 
again, a lot of good things uh, from a relatively uh, new team that uh, has been put in place to deal with some of these growing issues that we have in the community. And yeah, not think, just our community. No, it's, 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 it's a systemic issue. And I think that leads me to kind of the two key takeaways that I took was, one, the town is recognizing that there are and especially in even some of the federal uh, definitions or state definitions, that was one of the pieces where census and HUD may define homelessness as one. Another department defines homelessness as such. Another department defines homeless as such. So you're trying to get a number from tr a trusted source, and they're different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then it's okay. So now let's put the people that we have as in the crisis intervention team. These are the people on the front row front line let's at least work within and build those systems so that when person a comes into whether it's police or senior center there's a coordination that a is and obviously during respectful mindful of the privacy issues etc but we can coordinate and then condense so if it's one if it's 20 we'll know what the number is and provide the services and again to your point he is if they're willing because yes. um, but we need to at least better improve our overall services. The health department as well has created some resources that are on the web in terms of homeless resources available. Um, so th there is work going. It's not perfect, <laughs> but we want to get to improve that over time. So, yeah, it's good work. Um, we're getting there. Yes, we are. So that was a lot. That was a lot. It was a lot, sure. And I think the 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 the, the thread through that was effectively, you know, people in government are listening and do listen and create opportunities for listen, whether in kind of the breakfast open hours, et cetera, or through issues that pop up, we start connecting the dots or you start connecting the dots to help improve the service. And oh, by the way, the town can't do it all. But the town, through coordination, particularly on the uh, migrant and newly arrived situation with the uh, Best Western Hotel, through the Franklin Interfaith Council, the Safe Coalition, Food Pantry, the nonprofits are all coordinating and stepping up and providing the services for us as a community. Absolutely. And this is, you know, uh, and I do say it all the time, but uh, uh, for, for my dollar, uh, I can't say it enough. Uh, the the nonprofits and the volunteer organizations within our community are just unbelievable. They step to the plate every time they're asked, and that's what makes Franklin, as I say, the greatest community in the mm -hmm. state. Indeed. Well, thank you for taking some time to condense and shorten and bring the gist of last night's council meeting to the residents. We thank you for your time and effort, and hopefully the listeners will better appreciate and understand, you know, what our government is. We are part of it. <laughs> exactly. And if it doesn't work for us, there are ways to help make it work. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not today, but eventually we'll get there. <laughs> yes, sir. We will. Yes. And then a final reminder to listen as we do this, because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. 
This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.